Outlaw Mud Show Drive-In. Welcome to the Outlaw Mud Show Drive-In. I know a lot of times you might be listening to this on your earphones, at the gym, on a walk, in the shower, or in your house. And today we are talking about in your house. My name is Joe Connor, and with me is Mohammed Fathi. At in your house, we're in your house tonight. At in your house, hello everyone. Welcome to drive in. Thank you for inviting us to your living room, which I hope you know you're listening to us right now. If you're not, I don't blame you because podcasts are better consumed while you're jogging or walking or doing whatever. But you know, just for this one time. And if if a person who whoever tweet, whoever retweets this show for the 316th time will win a house. Yes. Oh, yes, in beautiful law. Well, we couldn't get in Orlando. Sorry, it's the, the high the rates. And stuff it's 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 Orlando, Alabama. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. It's a Orlando. beautiful house there. But yes, tweet tweet us three hundred sixteen times. We just we yeah we will print them out, put them in a box. You 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 have until yeah. June fourteenth to get this finished. After that. It's null and void, and you get no house. Yeah, yeah, and we will get the house. Yes, we will so get I the house. I think we will sell it again. Yes, yeah, we will get the house. It, it'll be the house yeah. where we stay um, in I, when I... Uh, WrestleMania goes to Orlando, Alabama. <laughs> yes, or just goes to Alabama. We'll we'll, yes. we'll figure it out. Yeah, oh, my bags are already packed in there. <laughs> I don't want I don't I don't want to attend that WrestleMania. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. So, uh, but uh, come on, come on! You can't, you can't imagine like you know an opening to WrestleMania like with the fireworks going up and Sweet Home Alabama playing. I mean, I, I, that actually does Where make sense. Come? That actually yeah. does make sense. Yeah. I mean, I know they blew the theme on Armageddon, uh, two thousand, but still <laughs> yeah. they can, they can too. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they're probably it. gonna get Flo- they're, they're probably gonna get Flow Rider to cover it. I was, just, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> WrestleMania is obviously the uh, the A-list pay-per-view, and other A-listers like SummerSlam, King of the Ring, which is now all but forgotten, um, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series. Um, I think I said SummerSlam, maybe I didn't, or the Royal Rumble. Um, but then we have you know the B-C-list pay-per-views that all spawned from In Your House. Um, and I remember when In Your House was, like, first announced as a kid, like, I was just, like, thinking, oh, this is basically just, you know, another pay-per-view or whatever. Um, and I, you know, I rented it's, uh, a mall. Like a, it's like a throwaway Saturday Night Live. Yes, exactly. Saturday exactly. Night Night Live. It, that, that's essentially what they have been. Like, I've – bo- both of us have been re-watching them. Mohammed's watched the first five. I've watched the first 11 I want to say, uh, and uh, they are pay-per-views that they're, they're it's it's WWE essentially it's done right. It, like you watch these shows, you feel like you are watching it in that exact era. Like the ninety-five, ninety-six, ninety-seven. It has it takes you yeah. on a journey because you can really see. 95 and 96 being from like May 96 to or May 95 to July 96 it feeling completely like 
the uh, the new generation era. Like they show backstage segments where yeah. all the heels are together, all the faces are together, and then you go from September '96 to February '97, and it has that bridge feel, and you can definitely tell that you know things are changing, things are getting darker, and then you know starting in like April '97 on, you're totally immersed in the Attitude Era. Yeah. But yeah. it show it highlights people perfectly. Like it has a main event, and the rest of the stuff is a lot of times building up new stars. Like watching this, I forgot really how much this, like in your house, especially in '95 and '96, really built up Triple H. Like Triple H can get a lot of flack for being, you know, in the doghouse in '96, but he was a workhorse in that year, actually. Um, and he did a lot of work and even actually before the curtain call, he was essentially doing worse booking pre curtain call. Cause you know, he had like the hog pin match and everything. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, I was just going to say maybe he wasn't in the doghouse. He was in the hog pin. First. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a after the, after, um, you know, the curtain call you know, a couple months later, he has, a short but sweet match with Steve Austin at Buried Alive. Um, and he's constantly featured on shows. Steve Austin's the same way. He's He has a lot of slow buildup. Um, Flash Funk, but then Flash Funk just disappeared, so scratch that name off the list. Um, yeah. Henry Godwin, you know, they, they were like, hey, let's start feeding him people. And then, you know, eventually just became a tag team guy. But Austin and Triple yeah. H are I mean, the two uh, main guys, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say Henry Godwin, like, they, they uh, like, those first thing they asked, they uh, showed him up as a big deal, but yeah. kept losing every match that they yeah. put him in. Yeah. But still, again, he was facing guys like Bam Bam and Sid. Yes. And, and, and watching the first, I want to say, three in your houses, it really made me realize how awesome Bam Bam Bigelow was actually as a baby yeah. face. Like I haven't yeah. seen a lot of these in your houses from start to finish since they first hit, hit like video. So it's, so a lot of yeah, these has been like 25 years, um, you know, certain matches here and there. Sure. Um, like the other day I watched bad blood. That's the first time I've watched bad blood all the way through since, Probably when it came 97? out, like ninety, like probably December '97, January '98, except for you know, like Triple H, not Triple H, uh, HBK versus Taker. Yeah, I've seen that a yeah, bunch of times. Um, but I think the only in your house I have seen multiple occasions have probably been Canadian Stampede and Buried Alive. Those are probably the two that I have seen the most. Um, they're they're pretty fun shows. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, all all these in your house events have all been really fun that I've watched. Um, n none have been bad; they've all been short because you know they were less than two hours. Um, yeah, they're colorful. Um, they, they get the job done. Like it's oh, building like, up towards uh, the, the next uh, big show. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, like in your houses, honestly, it it is like well, when you're watching it now. It's a representation of the nineties, basically, yes, and completely. the state of wrestling. In that, yeah, it is. It is so nine. It's like the cool nineties, like you know when you uh, watch the uh, movies that stuff. But like, you know, the nineties stereotypes are in there, and it's yes, 
it's very then and with the color schemes of and the house decor and everything it is everything the 90s and and essentially by that it's everything the new generation was yes it's that presentation is just even more than i think even more than wrestlemania at those times in your house was a representation of what the world wrestling federation was during the new generation era. well like it's the whole new generation thing right there um i'll gloss over this one match real quick because i was say because um one of the matches on the second in your house really brings that true because the first in your house had a great match with Bret Hart and Hakushi. Um, but the second one yes. has Diesel and Sid, which I'm not going to say is, you know, a great match or anything, but it was fun. Um, but it had, it was that lumberjack match and uh, yeah. it's when, when Diesel is coming out and he's like, High fiving all the baby faces, and Shawn Michaels is high fiving all the baby faces. You know, in your yeah. mind, you're Shawn like, Michaels coming out with you guys. You you realize like, you know, a lot of these baby faces straight up hated the click. Like, um, like I'm friends with uh, Duke the Dumpster Drosy on Facebook. He's always yeah. always posting shit about how much he hates the click. Um, and but then you see like all the heels like in like the uh, the Psycho Sid corner. Um, yeah, they were just you know me mugging yet. Yeah, each other. exactly, and that's pretty much what it was. But like, plus the match, like it gave like uh, moments to build up towards uh, Diesel versus yeah. Mabel in the match. So it had building blocks. Um, it had a lot of building blocks. I loved uh, from those high fives. The one I enjoyed the most was Bam Bam Bigelow because same. I remember watching some of that. Uh, some of that you know drama unfolding on WWF Mania way back then. Yeah, and. I remember, like, when Bam Bam, like, the, started respecting Diesel and said, like, this is a man who I'm proud to call my big daddy cool. Yeah. And introduce you know, that high five to Bam Bam, it felt like, it felt powerful. Like, wow, these two guys, like, you know, they had a, they got, uh, forged the friendships through adversaries. Yes, yes. That's a, that's how it is. Which is kind of what happened with Sean as well. But Yeah. And honestly, while watching these... When a few months later, when Sean vacates the title to Shane yeah. to Dean Douglas, and then he loses it to Razor, honestly, if the Click didn't have so much backstage power and pull, that would have been the perfect time for Bam Bam Bigelow to win the title, um, because that would have probably cemented him to re-sign with the company, and he went to you know jobbed out to Gold Dust right away soon after yeah. um and then survivor you know, they, series wasn't yes it? yep correct correct yeah i think so yeah um and you know razor ramon that's i mean there's a whole snowball effect razor ramon might have turned heel on him actually because he could have watching these in your house events you could tell razor was actually just kind of going through the motions in 95 um and then you know obviously yeah. if he had he gone heel and re-signed there you know wrestling as we know it would have completely changed but bam bam while it's, watching this you can definitely tell deserved to have some sort of title opportunity and title run he was not yeah because bam bam even though like he might have not been high on the car but like you could tell that bam bam was enthusiastic bam bam yes. had that explosive yes. bam bam had that like i remember like because because i remember bam bam from this era so once I started watching WrestleMania, like uh, retrospectively, when I saw him in WrestleMania Four, I was like, "Whoa, Bam Bam was, Bam Bam was in the WWF at the yeah. uh, in, in WrestleMania 4. 
Wait, Bam Bam was a baby face? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, who's the guy who's the guy in the tie-dye suit? <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> His his, uh, his 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 uh, promo videos leading up to his debut in '87, when um, it just shows like his head, and then he just like looks up and he's like breathing all heavily, and then like all the managers wanted to sign him. It was kind of like you know a Randy Savage type deal, except yeah. in reverse because he wound up being a babyface. But um, this babyface run works a lot better because he actually has like a personality. Whereas, like, because yeah, there is uh, there is something behind it. Yeah. Yes, and, and in it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, yeah, and we owe it all to that WrestleMania main event that a lot of people hate with Lawrence. Yes, too. yeah. <laughs> because um, I remember, like, uh, because if you remember that WrestleMania, the uh, the one thing I remember from the end of that WrestleMania is just Teddy Biasi just berating the hell out of him while he's walking up the ramp uh, back up. He's like, you lost to a football player, Bam. Right. A football player. And that's where it started. It's like, it's kind of like, okay, we got the celebrity thing that uh, we at least get like a long time story uh, storytelling out. Yes. Let's see. It's... Some other matches that pop out. Um, I mean, this, this ain't a match that was necessarily good, but it's worth mentioning um, in your house four, we have Triple H versus Fatu. Like, just think about like yeah. you know a few years later how big those two guys are during the Attitude Era. But here they are opening the card, and you know back in the on that's one thing with these in your house shows, with the exception of Hakushi versus Bret Hart, most of these were why people think the opening match is called the Curtain Jerker, which I'm glad that has changed nowadays. I'm glad the opening match is now. Yeah main event worthy because you want to get the, the crowd super hyped. That's why I loved like when mania used to open with money in the bank because you want to really hype up the crowd, but like opening... you want to get the hype up of the crowd. Exactly. But like, then, the... uh, yeah, but, the, but the, then again, like if mania for manias, I think like the money in the bank is better at second because well, maybe to your point, uh, like by the time the money in the bank came out, it has been established that the opening match is actually the hype match. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, that 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 had been so the you case can, for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So you can give it. So you can give that rub to it. Money in the Bank is gonna get people hyped up in it. Yeah. But still, it's pretty cool. Like when you watch the WrestleMania and you find like, oh, we're gonna start with a multiple man match. Yeah. It's a multiple man ladder match. It's like because you remember we were at thirty-two mm-hmm. people were, we were hyped for that. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Especially yeah. Uh, especially when Kevin Owens came out, yeah. and like we were like, "Oh, we are in for it." So, yeah. And if you guys, uh, <laughs> and if you, uh, for all our listeners and all our viewers, if you want to have uh, get more in depth on how we felt about WrestleMania 32 and how it was like attending it, you can check out our WrestleMania retrospective series, which includes WrestleMania 32 as much uh, as well as all the previous WrestleManias, available wherever the fine podcasts are. The Outlaw, just search for the Outlaw Much You're Driving. I mean, you already know because you're here, but yes. still, Outlaw Much You're Driving, forever, great podcast. And for, for In Your House today, right. for people who are seeing this, I'm not just doing the finger guns today, I'm doing the smoking guns today. So there we go. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, you know, th- that's, that's one thing with wrestling nowadays. Even B-shows, which honestly, let's face it, most WWE B shows 
Gen- R- Raw can suck. SmackDown, I don't want to say sucks. SmackDown is generally pretty solid, but Raw can suck. But you know, SmackDown, yeah, SmackDown can get a little bit repetitive. It can, but the pa- not pa- now, pa- not, not nowadays. Pay per views generally, generally will entertain you. Like uh, unless you're going in pretty much wanting to hate it because you're just uh, just completely jaded. Generally, there's you, you can watch the pay per view and enjoy it from start to finish. Yeah. There might be like one match here or there, but the thing is, most pay per views now, most pay per views nowadays don't really have a separation. Sure, like Mania has the glitz, but pretty much every pay per view is stacked with like marquee matches for the most part. Um, like you look at in your houses, and it makes sense that you know it's a lot of undercard matches it's guys getting a shot on pay-per-view to show what they can do it's it's essentially developmental pay-per-view is is a good way of looking at in your house like it's like yeah. hey this guy is good enough on in your house let's put him on SummerSlam or King of the Ring or something and you know if he's good on there uh, you let's know, get we'll him, put him on yeah, WrestleMania. Let's get to WrestleMania yeah yeah it's exactly and it's like it's for matches that are important to get somewhere, but like uh, that's how it starts. But then again, like it's like, oh, we're we're not just gonna give this away for free. Maybe like we can, huh? Yes, we can get people to actually buy this, like the triple header match between like Diesel and Shawn Michaels versus yes, Yokozuna and Owen, which turned out to be Yokozuna and uh, British Bulldog, Bulldog which yeah. came back to be Yokozuna and Owen. <laughs> which what um that that um that was a good match. Diesel versus Bulldog was a good match. People can shit on yes. Kevin Nash all they want, but I've and I, 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 are you I've, so you're com- you're completely done with '95 now and in your house. Yeah. So if yeah. you look at '95 and honestly, even even his '96 in your house matches, I think every Diesel match at in your house has what was solid. Like um, they they yeah. had good storytelling. Um, whether it be with Shawn Michaels, whether it be with Bret Hart, um, British Bulldog, like they told stories. D- Diesel, he, yes, had, he was uh, actually people shit on his title reign also, but he had a pretty decent title reign rewatching these events. I mean, uh, I mean, they shit on his title reign. I think the only reason people like you know give him help for the title reign is because I think the ratings were low. They were yes, or something. But it's it's nothing about the match quality itself yeah. or what. Which, I mean, like, like uh, Diesel versus uh, Sid is not going to win any, you know, no. awards. It's not like catch, catch. But it's still, it was like a big attraction piece. And there was actually one that part worked. in that the, uh, um, I want to say it was the second match. I want to say it was their Lumberjack match. Um, Diesel goes for like a stinger splash. And he um, he gets some height on it. The dude nearly goes over the top rope on it. I, I was like, man, it's like, you know kudos he he tried something different right there and you know he nearly tore his quad before he ever tur- tore his quad but you know it's it, it's a it's a it was a good looking spot yeah it was a good looking spot and also like for a guy who started off as the bodyguard of the Shawn michaels like when you watch those in your houses you uh, you're like man this this guy really came into his own this guy's yeah his own kind of like this guy is and looking like we were talking about the '90s. He is a he was a typical '90s yes. hero. Yes, like an action flick. Like he's a typical '90s yeah 
P PG rated movie he, action action star. You, he he seems like, like the character of Diesel seems like a guy who would have been the lead of a syndicated show that would have been on in like you know ninety five ninety six. Uh, it could even be called Diesel about a guy who's just a truck driver who goes around you know. Yeah, and solves crimes for yes, some yeah. reason. Yeah, it's ba- it, it, he he essentially feels just like that, um, and it works. Like he's a tall guy who has a cocky attitude. Because even as a babyface, like that's one thing you can notice while watching these in your houses is the new generation era definitely was PG and it had a lot of those gimmicks and stuff. But if you watch like Diesel and Shawn Michaels and uh, Razor Ramon as baby faces, they get away with a lot because you know they had pull backstage. But Shawn Michaels was doing yeah. a lot of Attitude Era stuff during these Way new generations. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he would Diesel do a lot of stuff. That's... Like mm-hmm. they, they, they were. I think uh, Diesel was the first guy to. Pl- I think Diesel is the first guy to flip someone off on WWF television. Yeah, like, yeah. Granted, that's the Royal Rumble, so it's, it's and ingrained in there. Even at like uh, Survivor Series '95, like he was cussing on TV too because he was cussing at Bret Hart after he lost. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So and but they, still, they had some it, moments. It, 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 yeah, it's weird because because before I started uh, watching in the in your houses back, I thought like he it was like a one like a one night heel turn on Survivor Series, but then watch the next the in your house that came right after it. He's facing Owen Hart yeah. to avenge Shawn Michaels, which is yeah. Okay. Well, if, if if you actually watch the uh, um, I'm not sure if you watched it recently the post the post Survivor Series Monday Night Raw where he cuts a promo. Um, and I did not know. Oh, dude, watch this because uh, I watched it a few months ago actually because um, somebody had posted it and I think it was the Cult of Cornet group, but they were talking about what a good promo it was and it was very behind the scenes. He like he pokes references at like Vince and stuff, um, and he doesn't give any craps. He's talking about you know why he's doing what he's doing. And how he just wants to win, but the fans are cheering him the entire time. And I think at that point they're like, you know what? Let's push the brakes and not fully turn him heel because yeah. the fans are really loving him right now. So let's just see what happens. And it kind of and it, benefited because it was foreshadowing of the Attitude Era having this, yeah. you know, like heelish babyface. Yeah, and and it worked leading into I think what is the high mark of the uh, of the new generation, which was WrestleMania twelve. It, yes, him being a babyface going into the Royal Rumble and getting eliminated by Shawn Michaels, his best friend, which he just avenged him. Exactly, ago, exactly. Was pretty like uh, it's a pretty like foreshadowing. Once you see what he did, once you see what Diesel did, like I, I can't remember at the Royal Rumble. I think Undertaker versus Brett was before the Rumble itself. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he like he screwed the Undertaker on yeah. that night, on that night, but he was still kind of a baby face. I mean, like which he can which when you watch the in your house where uh, in your house five, the, where he faced the Undertaker because both him and the Undertaker did the whole like you know belt thing. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. You know the sign the sign that they were going after the championship, and he yeah. just like. 
he took he took uh, he I mean like he didn't he didn't appreciate the Undertaker you know uh, declaring himself when he had already declared himself as the number one contender and, and then the Undertaker got the match Diesel did not that backstage segment with um, Diesel yeah. and Taker. That is yeah. an awesome segment, actually. That is an awesome, and it's the first time you actually see the Undertaker use regular Language. verbiage. He yeah, said, "I don't dodge." Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't dodge anyone. I was like, and I'm watching this, you know, retrospectively, but I'm still like, "Oh, the Undertaker actually said that way back in 1995." Yeah, yeah. It's not because he kept he. I mean, like, I mean, we're used to the Undertaker talking, uh, speaking cryptically. Yes. All the way, I think, until the ministry days. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, pretty much, I'd say up until um, that promo you and I were talking about the other day, um, the post over the yeah. or the the yeah, the post over the edge promo. Yeah, yeah, where he said he, it's time for him to go uh, after the yeah yeah. So about May ninety. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So ninety eight. So even like even in his, even when he was feuding with Paul Bear, which was like the real shit that yes. he could have gone through. Yeah. He was still cryptically. Uh, he was still speaking in the cryptic way. Yes. But when he said, "I don't dodge anyone," it's like, "Whoa, okay." Well, it's like it felt weird because it's like, "Whoa, here's this uh, like ancient entity," but he's speaking your language. He's right there. And yeah. <laughs> um. On f- on five, Brett versus Bulldog was great match. We talked about Brett versus Diesel on six. Um, Michaels versus Owen Hart on six was a great match. Um, so if you're gonna keep watching them, there's you're gonna be having those for yeah. you. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I love uh, like six is in your house. Six might be my favorite out of the regular in your houses. Yeah, uh, like you know, in your house without, up. yeah, yeah, like the pre, like let's say of uh, out of the in your houses with the, with the house setup with the actual house setup on there. I think six might be my favorite one because yeah, it, uh, first of all, like the that crybaby match, it's still people sleep on that. That's uh, that uh, and, and honestly, I don't remember the match like from beginning to end. I remember how it ended and uh, like the that. One to three kid was knocked out. Yeah, but him waking up after Diesel has <laughs> left while Diesel's music is playing, and he and still wanting to fight someone, and then he raises his hands like yeah, you know, and, like he's, and, he raises and, his hands like he won. Ted DiBiase just sit, standing there like looking like he's ashamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ted DiBiase. It felt like one to three kid was Ted DiBiase's kid. I didn't. Yeah. Was, yeah, and incidentally, I think it was the last of Razor and the kid. Like, as far as pay per views, at least, was that show? Yes. Yep. I think uh, I think Razor like uh, later on lost to Vader on the post WrestleMania. No, not um, he, he lost it in the uh, uh, Good the Friends Bitter Enemies. He he lost to Vader. Oh yeah. Which I... yeah, but it's still like you know he was he was out of it. Like he, he was there out, was yeah. no there was there was no Razor at WrestleMania, which I always found weird. Like back then. He... He was originally it's, so uh, gonna be involved in the in the, the Goldust angle at Mania that year, but you know they brought Piper in, which makes a lot of sense because they have Piper on in your house of, uh, leading up to Mania. Yeah. So that um, yeah, you can exactly. Tell building it's, it's, it, up. it was also it was also great. Uh, that was a great promo. That's also in your house six. It's. I I could have gone to uh um. Good friends, better enemies, because I was in Omaha, but 
um, at they were like I was supposed to be going with like my uncle or something, and he was trying to win like front and row tickets and didn't get a chance to go to that, which would have which would have been awesome because the front and row had you know that big angle with Mad Dog, so I would have loved to have seen that. In oh person. yeah, um, yeah, that would have been great. Eight, they had the, the, the was the nightmare where the electricity went out, and um, like I remember watching Raw when they were talking about you know beware of dog, it. right? Yes, beware of dog, and I was confused yeah, I on Raw trying to figure out what they were talking about with it, um, and you know, it's like just imagine that happening nowadays of how odd that would be. It's like oh, I have some of these matches, and they flat out admit that they already wrestled a couple of days earlier. They're going to redo some of these matches. Like, they flat admitted, like, Austin and Savio Vega wrestled two days ago, and now they're going to wrestle each other again in the same type of match. Um, it's... Uh, I don't know. I guess, I, guess the, I guess the internet was starting to creep up on them. And yes, like, yeah. They were not taking a chance. Yeah. It, uh, I can't remember. Undertaker versus Goldos, that casket match, was that in 7, or was that Good Friends, Better Enemies, or was that... Uh, no, the... Uh, um, beware of dog. That was be- beware of dog. I think beware of dog was the casket match because Goldust and Taker had a few matches at In Your House in '96. Um, the casket match was at be uh, beware of dog. Yeah. Um, it's always because that's the first casket match I've seen of the Undertaker. You know, by uh, Walden. Yeah. And when he said like uh, when he uh, goes uh, was facing Shawn Michaels. At the Rumble '98, and he said my career and casket matches is necessary. He just says I only lost one, and it took ten men to put me in there. That's the Kazuna match. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't doing Gold the math on it. Enough? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I understand in the promo. Yeah, but it's it, that's the first taste of like you know the WWE you know reinventing the which. They do. They they like they'll always say like you know this is a person's specialty match, um, like this. This is coincidentally also in your house, which is one I haven't gotten around to rewatching yet. But I remember in the fourth grade when they were going into in your house Degeneration X of boot camp the boot camp match. Yes, Triple H versus yeah. Sergeant Slaughter. I remember. Me and a few other kids were just like, "There's no way Triple H can win this because it's a boot camp match. That's Sergeant Slaughter's specialty." It's like, it's like, is it though? Is it really though? And like, have you seen him in a boot camp? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the same with like with Taker, especially Taker. You know, a lot of his quote-unquote specialty matches are matches that he does he, wind up losing. I mean, like he lost the first Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. He won the first buried alive then match, but was he really the winner? But, but was he? Yeah, but was he really the winner at the end? <laughs> yes, and um, because I, I I do love buried alive. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, skip a couple it's of these the, and go to that real quick. Because yeah. like, yeah. when Taker is burying <laughs> mankind, he just gets a couple shovels on him, and the referees start pulling him off already. And it's like he he he, he literally put like two or three scoops of dirt on him um yeah then taker just he, he just starts punching all the refs and he's 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 like like uh, he care. just he, he like he he did this like a head shake of a no and it felt mm-hmm. like 
It didn't feel like an Undertaker shaking. No, he was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. No, you, I'm going to bury him. And um, Buried Alive also has a lot of, a, a lot of attitude era moments because it has Austin, at this point, Steve Austin is completely Stone Cold Steve Austin at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, not that Dickie Austin. He's, he's the king of cutting, the ring. Uh, no, he's not the king, Greg. Yes, yes he he's is king the of the ring, ring. Right, yes. And yeah. he's he's like cutting promos about Bret Hart backstage. Um, oh, yeah, this is it. And also Buried Alive had uh, J.R. J.R., yes. Going off the handle. Yep, he, he wasn't on the radio. Um, Shawn, Ma- Shawn Michaels, uh, while he's on commentary, um, the, like him and Lawler are like, you know, throwing out little jabs about, you know, certain backstage segments. Um, even Buried Alive itself, the match, is... It, it seems to lend itself more to an Attitude Era idea than a New Generation idea. Um, it does. And it's... And, it's and, kind of a... It, it, it was kind of in that uh, weird place uh, between the two because yes. where it is... The idea is outlandish enough to be the cartoon, the yes. cartoon version of the new generation, but still, again, someone's getting buried alive, which is it's, you know the edgier part of. It's essentially, basically, like June '96 to March '97 is WWF saying, "Hey, you know, Hall and Nash are cutting these promos on the other channel. We need to do something different. Let's do a slow burn until March '97." And then, you know, we're going to flip the switch and we're going to have a different stage. We're going to have Bret Hart turn heel. So, like, yeah. basically the summer we're of 96, gonna... fall of 96 is basically them getting the wheels in motion for how 1997 is going to be laid yeah. out. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it, it is. Like, because you can see the shift itself in 96. Like, for example, The Undertaker splitting with Paul Bear. That's, yes. That was a humongous... Mm-hmm. That is a humongous paradigm shift in the, as it far is. as, you know, WWF landscape was concerned. Like, what? Paul Bear and The Undertaker are not together, but they're still in the... They're still on the roster? Yes. So they're fighting each other. You had a Mankind... You had Mankind doing... The craziest shit. Like, you know, uh, like... Going after the Undertaker relentlessly when he's like yeah. this poor guy who should get beat. Now we're talking about Mankind, not the Mick Foley, like not Mick Foley himself, right? But still, it's it's kind of it's uh, it was like the weird thing, and you had Sid. Sid is now a good guy for the first time ever. Yeah, coming back, and Sid Sid in '96 is while watching these, that dude is massively over with the crowd. At this point, it like, is. It's it huge. is, and because, yeah, and it's weird because when you watch his stuff in '95, the crowd hated his freaking yeah. guts. Yeah. And I think it's because it's like he, guy in the- he shows a lot more of the the unhinged portion in '96. Like he does, like he does that ma- uh, maniacal laugh. Like he has a different stance. Yes. Like he just seems completely different. Um. Like he's like he's been rejuvenated, 
Um, they took uh, like they took that rope from Shawn Michaels from now the like the most over guy in the world, Shawn Michaels. So he came back, teamed up with Shawn again. Yes. And Shawn is like the hottest thing in wrestling at that point. So they that dropped off on Sid, and they just went with it. But yeah. It's completely. Yeah. It's kind of weird because do you think like if the warrior had actually stuck around and had been the guy in that international incident main event, would Sid have been as over as he was? Like would they have brought I, him I, back in another? I capacity, was I was thinking that the other day. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, maybe we would have we would have had Sid versus Warrior. It's it's another what if? Like honestly, like. The whole, the whole rest of 96 and even 97 would have been completely different. Um, Steve Austin yeah. might not have been getting the hu as huge of a push. Triple H might not have gotten a big push. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. like weird. It's, it's yeah. like it's meant to happen. It's like, you know, you took this one peg out, which I don't think they had any grand, any grand plans for Warrior. Same. But I think... It, but I think it catapulted Sid. I don't think Sid makes it to be WWF champion without actually being in that international Same. incident. Yeah, event. yeah. And like the like the crowd is hot for that match because Ahmed Johnson First of all, is hot. Uh, yeah, and Michaels is yeah, hot Ahmed at that John time. Yeah, Ahmed Johnson is also a guy who you don't you cannot explain why he was hot. Yeah, he just was. Yeah, he I think just, it's because like, people love he um. Like before we went on the air, how you and I were talking about how British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith is yeah. basically your epitome of what a wrestler looks like. I think Ahmed Johnson is too. Like, um, yeah, he, he's muscular. The, the the red really stuck out. Um, like muscular in the red, yes, earrings. Yeah, he he looks he looks like Balrog from Street Fighter a little bit. Yeah, yes. yeah. I I it's... I loved Ahmed growing up. Um, and you know, watching back and now, he, he was ex why and exactly. he was, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the explosiveness more than anything. Yes, uh, yeah. And his, his his theme music was cool. So he had really cool. Theme oh music. God! Oh God! His theme music pumped uh, pumped you the yeah. hell up. While it was, yeah, it did. It's like it's. I think like <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's my favorite part, but one of my favorite parts of Beyond the Mat was just that entrance. Yeah, was hearing just that it. <laughs> opening credits with Ahmed Johnson. I was like, whoa. Uh -huh. I was like, I was like the Leonardo DiCaprio. Me, I'm a yeah. <laughs> Um <laughs> International incident also had uh, Taker versus Goldust. So Goldust is another guy yeah. that was getting a good in your house rub um, because he was. He actually debuted at in your house, right? Yes, it's yes. Just... Um, he debuted at in your house. Um, he, he was cutting great promos at in your house. He turned babyface. At in your house, um, it's one of those things where, also while watching these, especially like 1996, like um, good friends, better enemies, still has a lot of hokiness. Like there's a part where like um, uh, Marlena blows smoke in Ultimate Warrior's face backstage, and then Goldust blows glitter in his face and as soon as he does that warrior just pounds his chest and stuff and then you see like two months later i mean it's warrior it's warrior yeah. two months later international incident it's things are completely different um it's because you know night nitro is striking 
things are different there, but uh, WWE yeah, is speaking of Goldust, just Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you. Speaking of Goldust, because I have in your house six on mute here on the TV, and they just cut back to the America, to the AOL room. <laughs> yeah, they did that quite a bit. And he, uh, yeah, and he is just caressing the guy who's yeah who's typing out the answers while he's feeding it to the... The the, the AOL room yeah. was the the AOL room, um, Doc Hendricks pimping merchandise, um, yeah, and just seeing and, the locker rooms and for in the, your house. Yeah, staples. and for the earlier portion, Gorilla Monsoon making announcements as well. Yes, like yes. Um, but they um, in your house perfectly shows how overly produced WWE is nowadays and how overly stacked their roster is. Um, yes. Because you look at in your houses especially and you can see like the heels, especially in like 96, it's like they had a strong undercard. Like Triple H and Goldust, Farouk, like it's a strong undercard that they that you could feel like these guys could be facing Shawn Michaels pretty soon, but they still have him, you know, facing off with guys like Mark Merrow, Ahmed Johnson, etc. They um, were they were slow burning on everyone. Yes, like it's, yes, it's, it's also uh, watching in your house. It makes you long for the for that long lengthy title title reign where a champion just you know goes yes through wrestler after wrestler, which is it, what I love about Michaels' reign because Michaels yeah. didn't face the same person. Over and over again, um, yeah. which is something that is missing from nowadays. Where it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna have Drew versus Lashley five months in a row. Um, Drew versus or Drew versus Orton. Drew versus Orton. Yeah, Cena versus Orton. Oh. Um, you know, you can say that with pretty much anybody in the past decade. Um, yeah, Michaels ran through people. And Michaels, uh, like, uh, let's great. see. Michaels beat, uh, yeah. Michaels beats Bret Hart. Yep. He go. He he is. He beats Diesel. The next pay per view. Yes. Next pay per view. British Bulldog. Yep. Okay. British Bulldog got two pay per views out of it because he was at the King of the Ring yeah. again. But uh, still. Then a six man tag. On to the next. Yeah. On to the next one. Six man tag. International incident, which is down in which is down in Canada, which also Shawn Michaels had that entrance, uh, 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 those fans, you know, breaking the barricade yeah. to get in on the entrance, which which was actually cool because it showed you how much Shawn Michaels was popular at the, at the time. It's, oh, yeah, big time. It, yeah. Then he then he takes on Vader. Yep. Then man. Yeah, Kazuna on Monday night. Yeah, yeah, Kazuna on Monday night throw the night oh, after. Oh, yeah. 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 And then mankind, and then and then he goes, uh, and then he finally makes it to Sith. Yes, it's a great reign. It is a great reign. It's it, it had a lot of, like he had a lot of giants coming after him, like three at least. Yeah, uh, and one of them, like the fourth giant, beat him. But then, uh, but still, and he had uh, and he had a deranged monster and man and mankind come after and him. That that mankind match, Michaels thro- shows aggression in that match like the like he, he there's one point where he's stomping away at mankind in the corner the ref tries pulling him off and michaels just kind of brushes him off and like kind of threatens the referee yeah. it's michaels and it's still pre way before pre dx michaels um yeah like but it's, he's still... it's him just being Shawn michaels being like hey you know 
I'm Shawn Michaels. I do what I want, when I want, where I want. And there, there's one point where he gives a suplex to mankind on the outside onto some stairs. And it's kind of cringe watching it, but it's like, damn, it's like, it's a knowing of, what it does spot. now. Yeah. It's like mankind's legs just go right onto the stairs. And mankind is underrated in 96 because, like, people always talk he about is. him yeah. being a guy that became who he is, like, after King of the Ring 98. But 96, like, he's a great heel, and the dude takes beatings. Like, like he's there's no a, one yeah, else. Yeah, and. And while they actually, like, used him a lot, like, he was basically a high-end utility stock for them. That's how he was. That's not how we think about him, yes. Nick, but that's how he was used after the Undertaker. Piece. Yes. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, he still, like, put in the work. Like, I mean, like, again, he was facing Shawn Michaels. There is, uh, he was facing Shawn Michaels, but he already, he was already signed up for the Undertaker at the uh, Buried Alive. Yeah. They had already announced that. So you're like, it's it, you, it's kind of like when you're looking at it, okay, this is just a match to have a match. Yeah. It's it's something to build towards something else. But still, uh, he they made a lot about it. And uh, bringing him back to Shawn Michaels, that pre-match promo where he said, and I remember watching it and thinking, I mean, like, I appreciate it now, but I was like, I was not convinced of it back then when he said, like, I know, like you've been, like you guys call it mind games. You're trying to mess with my head, but there's not much going on uh, up here at them. Like, and it's the problem is you're comparing it because while it actually rings true for what you see Shawn Michaels' character is, he was being in compa- compared to Mankind in that. And if yeah. one of the, if you're gonna say one of them has this screw loose, it's gonna be Mankind. You're never. Yes. Yeah. Shawn Michaels is the easier one. Um, it's still. I think he should have sold him, but it still was a great promo. Retrospectable when you look at it now, it's a, a lot of Michael's promos in '96. Like I remember watching, um, like an interview with Michael's back in '97, um, where he was talking about how you know you take a a guy like him. Um, or no, it was, it was then in 98, he was like, how he needed to shift to a different persona. And he's like, yeah, you take a guy like me and they want to see me get my face smashed in. Um, but, you know, people think Shawn Michaels was all goody-goody and, like, stuff in 95 and 96. His promos, his promos were always semi-attitude era. Like, he had yeah. always little hints about, you know, inside jokes, innuendo, like, People say the curtain call broke the fourth wall. Dude was breaking the fourth wall before the curtain call. Like he was always throwing little yeah. jabs out. But just yeah, but you yeah, but you would think that like back then he was doing it just to entertain himself. Exactly, like, exactly. Boys back there. Yes, yeah. Like he was like throwing those stuff up. Like it's kind of like I didn't watch me. I'm gonna say this. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna. Yeah. Um. Of course, he did the the whole sunny days afterwards. Yeah. Then again, it's... <laughs> his. Uh... But that was for everyone. It's it's not. A... The the whole involvement with uh, um, Michaels at uh, um, um, it's time um, where he's at ringside and he's yeah. talking about you know Sid he's talking about Brett and watching these like I remember like when I was first start, starting to get like smart into the industry 
I had this match with uh, Sid and Brett on a couple of tapes. It was like on uh, this Bret Hart VHS. I think it was on another one. I know for a fact it was on a Bret Hart VHS. But watching it back in like say 99, 2000, about 99 I'd say, you know, you're watching it and you're just like, the way Shawn Michaels is talking, it's really blurring the lines like him, Sid, Brett, Austin, Owen. Because this match ties a lot of people together. Because this is when yeah. WWF starts kind of making everything kind of intertwined, interconnected. You you listen to Shawn Michaels and you you buy in and you think to yourself, man, he's making you believe that these people legit hate each other backstage, just because the way he's trying to blur yeah. a lot of kayfabe lines. Yeah, yeah, he was, and uh, it's kind of weird because you know, like actually, you remember WWF magazine or the Raw magazine back then. They kind of leaned into that as well. They did. They did. Once they did the how much was like the first time I heard about that tussle backstage where you know the locked hair was taken out was was from the Raw magazine and Vic Venom was writing about yeah. it. Yeah, Vic Venom has been through. Yes, those who don't, who don't know. And they had another. They had another. Remember there was a column by someone called the Informer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was supposedly this anonymous, this anonymous reporter who was backstage, and. The informer and this informer, uh, he threw out a counterpoint to Big Venom's thing, because Big Venom was talking about how they legit hated each other. And yeah, he threw out a counterpoint about how Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were basically working everyone, and they're in it together. Because he says, "Well, no one saw the first punch getting thrown. Actually, no one saw any punches getting thrown." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and it's kind of weird. And like going back to the thing where he throws these little jabs about like you know stuff that goes on in reality. WrestleMania 13, he was a commenter for the main event, and he yeah. was talking about like how Bret Hart complains about like being screwed over, and he said the Undertaker he has been given the shaft more than anyone here in the WWF. Yeah, and you never heard him complain once, and it, and it actually strikes you as weird that you know, well, okay. And I mean, like, it, it's that Shawn Michaels actually appreciated someone because, you know, you could tell that Shawn Michaels was in that phase where he was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be back, but I'm going to, so I'm going to just put that over everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially then because if you listen to a lot of stuff with Taker and even like the Broken School sessions of Godfather a few weeks ago, yeah, you can basically tell that, like, the click didn't really mess with a lot of Taker's voice. Like, they, yeah. they, they were like, hey, you know what? We, we'll, we'll mess with the hearts, and we'll mess with all everyone else who they probably consider jobbers. They're like, even though a lot of Taker's like, uh, guys the, were undercard like, guys. Yeah, <laughs> like, like uh, poor, uh, poor Dean Douglas, poor Jeff Jarrett. Yes, yes. Bam, bam. I'm pretty sure, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone who was like facing uh, Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship yeah. right was on that trip. Yes. But like, Takers group, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. these guys are off limits. We're not going to do yeah. anything with them. Yeah, because if you think about it as well, Takers group had two bona fide, like, you know, main eventers, big timers in it. Yeah, main eventers slash big timers, Undertaker and, Yoko. and Yokozuna. So, like, he had Fatu, who was, well, you know, he's from the Noe family. Yes. So, you know, that guy is going to be like backed up. Sabio, uh, who's a huge workhorse, like if like especially yeah. watching these in your houses, that dude's on a lot of these shows, and he's always in solid and competition. He he is he is great in it. Yes, yeah. He was great in the King of the he was great in the King of the Ring too. Yeah, 
environmental like that, that here where Mabel was. And it's which we gotta get, get circle back to Mabel in a minute, but um uh, with you had Sapio in there, you had Henry O Godwin and then you know later Phineas. Yes. Which I think, yeah, I think Henry and Salvia were protected, uh, were initially not messed with because of they were in the Bond Street crew. Yeah. I and mean, the... I think so. Yeah. No, we, we, so you too. never know. Maybe they liked them. Yeah. But... Um, when you're talking about Mabel, um, Mabel in 95, oh. it's, it's completely different than anything we'd seen from Mabel before. Like, he just feels like a completely different person or even after yeah 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 um and he even has as king mabel he still kind of has like a thing where he just kind of almost like uh the world's largest love machine gimmick he kind of starts doing a lot of moves and stuff um yeah he does the whole like you know the the dancing while he's walking it's sort of like it's sort of like a funky Ric flair strut but it's yeah 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 i'm the king he he like he would say that he was in granted it's not a great SummerSlam match, but his I think honestly his in your house work was all pretty solid because he was pushed as a cocky and vicious heel at the same time. And, you know, for a monster like that it worked. Um and it was different. There was a lot of growing like yeah, they were uh, it was a lot of like it was a lot of spectacle around him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after he won the King of the Ring and even going into it. Uh, there was a lot of, like, you know, pushing him. Like, uh, let's see. He beats Adam Bomb at the first, is it the first or the second in your house where the... he's uh, qualified for the King of the Second? Second. Yeah, because the, f- the first is Adam Bomb versus... No, it, okay, I, I don't think he's on the first, he's on the second. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think, no, I, th- I think there's only... Adam Bomb's uh, sole... Uh, Just the second one, yeah. Sole appearance is on the second one. Correct. Which, yeah. Which, I'm still waiting for a Mattel Adam Bomb figure. I'll even take yeah. a rap figure, and then we'll paint it. I'll paint it myself. Just, yeah. But, It'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still, again, Adam Bomb, Adam Bomb is, uh, like, is also, like, basically a presentation of what the New Generation era yes. looks like. Yes. If he'd like, you know, make a new generation era generator of a wrestler generator. He does have some out, uh, it just fits out pro wrestling t-shirts out now from Adam Bomb. Yeah, pro wrestling. Yeah, I saw. They look But anyway, sweet. the colors and stuff, I... Yeah. But it was great, and he did the whole, you know, the exploding thing and the... Yeah. And May, Mabel beats him. Goes into the... Wins the king of the ring. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who he was facing at uh, the New House three. Um, God, I just watched it. Um, yeah, I was, I just watched it yesterday. Not Bull, it's... no Bulldog was teaming with Luger at that show, I think. No, but he, yeah, May, July. No, this would have been September of '95. So this would have been after uh, SummerSlam. I, um, I like because I remember at four it was. Before it was the Yokozuna, and they yes. did the double can out, and, and they hugged each it's other. It's still one of my one of my favorite moments, actually, out of the in your houses of that time is them hugging each other. Same here, Fina, because you think like Gorilla Monsoon uh, thought he, you know, he pulled one over, got these guys to fight each other, but yeah. then they solved it, they squashed it at the end. And help me out here. Mm-hmm. When he lost the 
casket match to the Undertaker. Is that the last we've see, uh, we saw King Mabel? Yes. Yes, yep. Because in 98, he comes back and attacks Ken Shamrock, and then he disappears for about another nine months, eight yeah. months. Then he emerges at Rumble. Gets abducted by the yeah, gets abducted by the Ministry. Yeah. Becomes Viscera. Yeah. Okay, let me see the wrestle in your house three the card here. First the triple header. And Stavio Vega actually beat Waylon Mercy at this uh, yeah. show, which is. Which is, by the way, fun fact, it's the only Waylon Mercy match I ever saw. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, I guess I, he was on Raw's and he was on... Superstars. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was on any other major pay-per-views, was he? No. Uh-uh. Which is, yeah. which, which is, okay, which Mabel, goes off for him because he, uh, he has a pretty large cult following. People love that character. Yeah. Like, especially I remember when Bray first came in. People were like, wow, this is like Waylon Mercy a little bit. Yeah, which I actually, from that one match, just uh, seeing him walking out to the ring and, you know, playing nicely with the audience while he's coming out, it's everything I could see it. Yeah. I saw, I remember seeing a few, a few of his promos on YouTube way back then, but I don't remember that one. But anyway, Mabel was not at the New House 3. Okay. So it was on 2, 3, four, uh, 2, 4, and 5. Um, looking at this one at, uh, Final Four in February '97. Oh, we have yeah. the, we have Rocky Maivia defending the icy title versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and mm-hmm. this is pre DX, pre Nation, pre People's Champ, pre you know McMahon Helmsley regime, pre uh, pre Rocky sucks if we're being honest. Or yeah, just the beginning, just about of, the beginning it. of it. Yeah, and yeah. it's like. If if people are like watching this match back live, say you were watching this February 1997 live, and say you weren't even really smart in the industry, you're just watching as maybe a casual, and you're just like, you know, will either of these guys be remembered in ten years? Holy shit! It's like this. This matches two of the biggest stars in wrestling history, and they actually go twelve minutes and thirty seconds, which, at the time, for two guys that aren't world champions, is a long time. Um, yeah. So it's like it's it's great for both of those right there because it shows that Vince had trust in them. Yeah, and yeah, it showed that Vince had trust in them. He at least had trust in uh, Triple H, but he but he was buttering Rocky up. He was like, yes. That guy's our future. Yes. And I remember, like, I remember they had, they made it a big deal when Rocky actually won the title from Triple H. Yeah. Because it was on the same night that John Michaels relinquished the WWE Championship. Yeah. And so this was like the big rematch. This was like big. Yeah. Because it was something. And uh, they gave, and the Rock had just gotten that new theme of the Din, 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 Yeah. Which. Is actually, you know, it's sort of like the it. I mean, it's Jim Johnston, so mm-hmm. I guess he, uh, he uh, best uh, like one of the underrated things about Jim Johnston's music is when he changes themes for wrestlers, it actually turns more into the, like an evolution of a theme it instead does. of like a completely different theme. Yeah. So like, 
when Rocky joined the nation, or when they did, made the new nation's new team while under the Rock, it kind of had some sort of basic elements of his Rocky Maivia the it theme does, of the, yeah. Which I morphed I, into I the love Rocks the nation theme. music, like not not like not not like. The Nation of Domination music, which is also great, but the actual well, Nation yeah. music, it's the 1998 like, Nation music, yeah, it's underrated. Oh as god, hell. I love that team. It, it, I love the team. I, I remember a few months ago, I just went into a this huge YouTube hunt for that team until I found it. Yeah, this is like uh, this is basically when uh, they did it because they did two teams. They did one with the Rocks uh, catchphrase song, and then, yes. then they did one which was completely instrumental, and that one was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And if you listen to the Godfather's team, team, that's actually a deviation of a deviation of that nation. Yep, team. I, I, I. <laughs> you were just gonna I, say that, uh-huh. weren't you? And 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 <laughs> and even like be, before, um, the uh, like the D'Lo music of 1999, D'Lo and Mark Henry had a small run of music in late '98 that yeah. was like a slowed down completely slowed down version of like the nation theme basically. real deal yeah, yeah. No, but before, before the real deal um and they they only used it for like a month um and it just has that nation vibe too it just shows like how many offshoots it even has and even the rock like the rock's main theme had a bit of that it's, nation it, thing it, that continued. it carries until this day, it carries the nation theme in it uh, yeah. inside it. Yeah, which is the only the only time it which is awesome was his like which this theme still had bits of the previous theme was like his heel two thousand three run, which still had kind of hints of the previous theme, but it, um, yeah. so it still kind of had a lot of that DNA in it. Yeah, because. Like if you listen, like so, let's go back. Rocky Maivia's theme goes ten, ten, and ten, and ten, 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 and then the Rock's theme goes ten, ten, and ten, which is, and the Nation is somewhere between those two. Yes. Ten and so it's it's weird. So basically, until this point, the Rock has a variation of the theme he had back in '97. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's mind blowing when you think about it. It is because. He's on his tenth theme or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in your th- th- this is one that this here here is one that I wanted to get on VHS because I saw it at like a Target one time, but it was pricier because it was rare to actually find in your houses for sale. Yeah, I would always see them for rent, but I was I'd never really saw them for sale. But Revenge of Taker is one I really wanted to buy because I saw it. But I never got it as a copy. But um, this was Revenge the first of, yeah. time I had watched this match since about '97. And um, Taker versus Mankind at that show was pretty well, awesome. It, it is one of their. It's at that point I think it's Taker and Mankind's best match ever. Yeah, and it might it might be. I mean, I would say that one and the No Holds Barred one they had in Monday Night Raw back in '97. Yes, those are the uh, like the as far as in ring, like take the hell and sell out of it because it's more spectacle than it is an actual yeah. match. Yes, those two matches, and it has one of the sickest looking bumps I, I ever saw in my life. 
Uh, if you remember, Taker bounces Mankind off the apron and he goes headfirst into the announce table. Yeah. Even even as a, even as an openly Taker Mark who just you know, and Mankind's challenging the Undertaker, so I basically hate Mankind at that point. Yeah. I cringed so hard seeing it. I'm like, because you know his body is flopping around, his head is completely obscured. It's inside the table, right? <laughs> and he looks—he looks like a lizard, which who's, which is <laughs> after their head, the head's cut off and the body's still moving around. It's it's freaky as hell. And you're thinking, well, if he makes a wrong move, his body's gonna swing over and he's gonna break his neck. Yeah. It's, it's and take Taker's title reign, much like Michael's title reign. He had different opponents because he had Mankind. Next in your house, he had Vader. Austin. He had Vader and another, the the last in your house day before he lost the title to Brett. And in between, he had yeah. Farouk at King of the Ring. Like Farouk he had at the King of the Ring. He was supposed to face Ahmed Johnson at the Canadian Stampede yeah. before he was injured. Like he had and... a great in your house title defenses the entire time. I think honestly. All the all the title like the babyface champions. On, honestly, thinking about a lot of these, they're mostly all babyfaces. There's really not a lot of heels yeah. defending it's, titles. Yeah, it's basically yeah the whole idea of like heels taking long term championship reigns started with Triple H in two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Or ninety nine. Ninety nine, yeah. Eh. Because yeah. D- Diesel was a babyface who lost to a babyface, and Brett Brett was a babyface who lost to a babyface. And uh, Michaels, Michaels kind of lost. Michaels was a baby face that lost to a tweener. Tweener and Sid. Sid was a tweener. Yeah, and Sid and Sid, while he was full on heel after he beat Michaels, people cheered him until yeah. he lost to the Undertaker. Yeah, and then Brett was a face while he and, held the championship. And then and then and then Undertaker lost to Bret Hart, who was a baby face. Everyone accepted the United yeah. And then M- M- Michaels at the end of '97, while he's a heel, was. Basically, Michaels just being like, "Hey, I don't care if the fans cheer me or boo me. I'm Shawn Michaels. I do what I want." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he was, and he was gonna go. Yeah, but he was gonna go against Austin. Yeah, so yeah. Shawn Michaels was. I mean, like, hate to say it, but you know, he was the placeholder at that time. He was, or he was like the. Well, if you look at it from the Montreal Screwjob point of view, he was the break class. You know, yes. In the case of emergency, break class champion. Yes. They had Austin, uh, and Austin. Basically, was the babyface champion until the. Uh, I mean, like, he lost it a couple of times, but I mean, like, you're gonna count it. He lost the king, then won it the next night. day. So, yeah, and then he lost it to break it down, which is another. Break it down is considered in your household. Yes. Yep. Yep. Correct. Well, yeah. it is, but on Peacock, in your house is listed only as ninety-five to ninety-seven. It's, but it yeah, still is. Yeah, on, it's on the network that yes, way too. Yes. Yeah. But still, break it down. Had the in your house, you know, tagline under it. Yes. Yep. Yep. So I guess, yeah, in '97 is partially when they stopped putting up the house setup. I think it, it started with EX or did it start? With um, else? uh, bad, bad blood was when they. Uh... Yeah, bad blood because they started. Yeah, yeah, because they made the entrance and in, in the cell uh, structure. But also at um, 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 cold day in hell. Grounds. So gra- they, they had. Um, the they had the house, but it looked different. No, the, um, they they actually had just the 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 um the regular square entrance. They they, they didn't have the house for it. The uh, um, or it might have been 
did they have did they have the two. square did they have the square with the with the square with the, the, the on? because i remember cold day in hell if you remember the pre for all yes yep yep steve austin steve austin comes out cuts a promo about how he's gonna how he's ready to go to hell with the undertaker and stuff huh yeah and then and then you know pyro shoots up with the flames and the undertaker appears on the screen and he says if you if you need to go uh, if you if you want to go to hell then no one's better to take you there than the undertaker yeah. oh what side i have to and he actually put it in there and he said austin you can rest assured that it's going to be a cold day in hell before you take the wwf championship yes um they, they also started the using coolest... the, the ramp as an entryway starting after mania 13 also because they started using you know the the raw ramp for pay-per-views right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's actually a cold day in hell. Had a uh, cool finish to the Austin versus. It did. He takes him up for the, and Jim Ross classic. Taker has him up for the tombstone and then Austin reverses it. Yeah. And then Taker reverses it back into the tombstone. And it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's an awesome thing. And uh, like JR is like tombstone. It's been countered. And then, you know, Tombstone. Um, Canadian Stampede, we have Triple H versus Mankind. And it's like, that. granted, they, they faced off at King of the Ring also. But yeah. this match here went on after the match because they kept fighting throughout every other match. Like, they kept showing them backstage oh, fighting love, and the yeah, crowd now fighting. Yeah, I remember. I love this. And they pulled ever backstage into the crowd. Yes. And I remember they were uh, introducing a match, like you know how the, people the, start the light heavyweight title. Long the match light heavyweight schedule, match. Yeah, yeah. This match scheduled for one fall, and then boom, they yep. cut to them fighting out through the crowd, like breaking out of the and it's, Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's another one that shows <laughs> the groundwork for what the future is going to be for, you know, the next couple the of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is another seed planted for the ad yeah. as well. It's like. Um, the main event of that one, the crowd is super hot because it's you know, Heart oh, Foundation wow. and the yeah, the, in the, the the road uh, the Road Warriors got booed. Yeah, that, that is massive. That yeah. is something that is unheard. More than Austin getting booed. And, yeah. Uh, more than uh, Shamrock. It was Austin, the Road Warriors, Shamrock. Yeah, go. Like he can boo any of those. And was definitely yeah. gonna get booed because he was facing Brett. Even though Austin got a little bit like. Seeing the Road Warriors getting booed, uh-huh. it's like, huh? I mean, it, I knew, I mean, like, he knew they were going to be, this crowd was going to be pro Heart Foundation, but he never thought it was going to be like, like that. So hearing the, hearing the Road Warriors get booed is like, what the hell? Uh-huh. It's magic. Yeah. And also, like, on that undercut, Undertaker versus Vader, that was a great match. Yeah, it was. That's, I think it was, I mean... I don't know, like, it's one of the underrated matches, Undertaker versus uh, Vader on that one. It was, yeah. I think it's better than the Royal Rumble 97 I match. I do. Somewhat, because that because 97, you felt like you had a feeling these guys were feeling each other out still. But um, but this one, this was a good one. And, yeah, that's Stampede. Canadian Stampede, that main, that main event and that, that celebration at the end. Mm-hmm. It's like... <laughs> um. In your house, knew how to have 
controlled chaos because like um, yeah. Taker versus Executioner had the controlled chaos. Um, the Canadian oh. Stampede Ten Man, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker at Ground Zero. Like they knew yes. how to like have controlled chaos to just build up to a larger moment, and they did it perfectly. It was, it was a, like a large moment, and it's how that match started with you know the whole Hart Foundation coming down to the ring, mm-hmm. and then Bret Hart and Austin. Like it's a big face-off between both teams. That yes, ten men. But Bret Hart and Austin are in the center, and slowly but surely everyone else exits the ring until it's just the two of them. Yes. And they're trash-talking the whole time, and then the bell rings, and they just start wailing on each other. They just go into hockey fight right off the bat. There's no wrestling involved. And the thing with that is the the way the foundation was being introduced has kind of the way that... The first, and I'll, I I know the name Stampede is also carried through to it, but that's not the reason for the comparison. But like Stadium Stampede last year when they were introducing each person, it kind of feels like that with Canadian Stampede because it was almost like they were given the Canadians like a gift, like, hey, this is your sports team. We're going to introduce are, yeah. each member of this team. Yeah, these are your guys like, by the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are your guys and Brian Pullman. Yes, yes, and it it worked tremendously. Um, it did. It the, did. The, and uh, the last paper, the last in your house I have watched so far was Bad Blood, and honestly, it's it it feels basically like a raw. At the time it has like short matches. It's basically all about one match. It's about Michaels versus T- Undertaker. And the thing is, without In Your House, In Your House has probably the most important debut, possibly possibly besides Survivor Series 1990 or Survivor Series 1999 or Survivor Series 1996. (laughs) Um, It has has probably the most important pay-per-view debut when it has Kane. And actually, I would say Kane's actually trumps... um, Rock's 1996 the debut, Rock. and yeah. even Kurt Angle's 1999 debut, and honestly, as far it might as trump impactful debuts, debut. yeah, I mean, like, uh, let's—it might actually, yeah, trump my uh, Taker's 1990 It's kind of like if you're talking, uh, like, let's not talk about like what the debut foreshadows of the careers. Yes, but if you're talking about like an impactful debut, that is it. You will get nothing. Uh, you will get nothing bigger than Kane's in no. there. Kane's introduction. It's the guy, like it's a monster in a mask. He has that eerie freaking church organ music yeah. behind him coming out. It's it's kind of like, and he takes away, and not even like I mean, like everyone will talk about like how he ripped up in the cage door and he did, but he takes, but amidst everything. It is one of the biggest, and I mean this in a good way. It's one of the biggest, like gut punches or like a disappointing endings to a pay per view you might ever see yes. as a fan. Talking like uh, like K-Bip style because it's like you're right there. Undertaker is about to get that revenge that has been sought after for like two months. Well, just two months, two but months. still, it's like Shawn Michaels. Did, Shawn Michaels did so much to that man in those two months. Mm-hmm. 
and you're like Taker is and Taker is running the gauntlet of, uh, of it, which is by the way, it's the blueprint of what the Taker did to Edge in the hell in their Hell in Cell yes. 2008. Yep. Uh, he, he just he does. It's one of the most underrated uh, selling points. Like uh, I'm gonna get to Kane just say, but you know it's the Undertaker. I'm the Undertaker mark, so I'm gonna have to talk about this. It's again my favorite. Uh, it's one of my two favorite Undertaker sit-ups ever. Is Shawn Michaels just nailing him with that sweet chin music, and Taker just full takes the flat back, sits right back up, and just looks him right in the eye. Yeah, like you're gonna have to do better than that. And Shawn Michaels just bolts. He's just like. Oh, the door is open. I'm just gonna be uh -huh. out here now. But then Taker does this. He beats Shawn Michaels. He hits Shawn Michaels with the chair, which avenges Shawn Michaels hitting him with the chair at SummerSlam and they're all after. He does this super. He does this super top rope choke slam, which I don't think he's he has done it in that way since. Yeah, it's impressive. And, uh, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. It is great. It's great. And then he beats Shawn Michaels, and then he just mentions it uh, goes for the tombstone. He's just signals for it. You're like, this is and for an Undertaker mark and for, you know, if someone, yeah. And if if you're watching this and you're like just not even an Undertaker mark like myself, but just a you know, you like the baby face to win, the good guys to avenge whatever loss, and the bad guys to get theirs. And you're seeing this, and you're like, it's happening. This story's end, and then the lights go out, and you're like, what the hell? And then comes that eerie organ, mm -hmm. that church organ music, and you still don't understand what's happening. It's like, is this like some somber, you know, closing the chapter of like, you know, you don't want to know what's next, or is it like a to be continued? Something? Yeah. I honestly, you don't understand because you don't, huh? And boom, out comes this huge red cloaked. Uh, monster in a mask, Paul Bear coming out behind him, and there's fires everywhere, and he rips the cage door open. He stares, and for the first time, you actually see the Undertaker. And I'm not just going to say he's just scared, but it's the first time you see the Undertaker confused as well. He's like, it is. He looks comp super confused, and he even gets timid yeah, when like, the pyro goes off, and he looks behind him. Yeah, quick. he looks around. He's like, no one else does that. No. <laughs> You've never seen him that vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. So as far as the debut, like you're never gonna, you're not gonna get a higher mark than that. It does. No. This man showed up at you know in 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 what is considered the biggest, like you know, the bloodiest match of it. And this match is the match that one up. Uh, was it Sting and Hogan? Sting and Macho Man? I can't remember oh, the big match one. that was yes. on WCW. Yep. Yeah. So this is the match that actually won up the other match. Yeah. And and this guy came in this just destroyed it, destroyed the cage, took away took away the good guy moment and just left. And I remember because I remember watching this and this was pre-internet so you never know what uh, for me I'm like I, you wouldn't look up, you know, what happens in wrestling. So right. you're just huh? into it and you're like and you're watching this and just you're left because the show ends with Shawn Michaels winning, but you know Shawn Michaels doesn't celebrate; he's just taken away. Yeah, so you're... he gets carried out. Yeah, he gets carried out. So you're a lot, and the Undertaker's still laying there. It's it's like the lasting impression is this monster that came and destroyed the world and left. And you're like, it's like 
if you ever watched the G.I. Joe cartoons mm-hmm. back in the day, there was it was very rare that the that an episode ends on a cliffhanger exactly. that's to be continued and leaves you wanting for the next one and you're like, This is exactly what that uh, what the DD like. You're like, What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and um the ninety seven to me ninety seven going to ninety eight is really when post survivor series is really the starting the building blocks towards mania because like degeneration X and no way out are both perfect building blocks towards WrestleMania. And then it's like, yeah. after that, like unforgiven and un- unforgiven on you're perfectly immersed in the attitude era, like over the edge in your house and fully loaded in your house, I think are the uh, epitome... Over the edge and full loaded are... They're like the epitome of Attitude Era shows. Yes, because you have Triple H as the cocky DX babyface leader who still, you know, does heal shit, but the fans just love him so much. The New Age Outlaws are on top. The, The Rock is rising. The nation is... Like, you've never seen them before. Steve Austin, Austin dude love is the WWF champion. Yeah, um, Taker and Kane, um, and I remember like loving the vibe of those in your houses in like '98 because it just felt so different. Because like they they were they had like a combination of like undercard matches where like you wouldn't really expect what was going on. Sometimes you'd get like a random European title defense. Um, Sometimes you get like just a random tag team match that you never really expected, um, but they felt yeah. super attitude era. Like they didn't feel like in your house shows anymore. They now and, and a lot of these you know became the they names felt of like the shows. Uh, they felt like their own uh, their own thing. Yes, and each show was their own thing, which is like it's basically again you hate to see the house uh, stage go, but it, it yes. was the perfect time for it to go. It was because. And it, they were also again, longer you look at that, now too. Yeah, again, yeah, again, you look at that stage, and what you think is nineties is like you know new generation. Yes, yes. And they were past that now. There's not, there isn't much color left. Uh, there isn't that much color in the shows. Anymore. No, it's. I'm not saying it is a bad thing. Like it's. It's, it's the sh- uh, it's the whole shades uh, of gray, and it, it goes with the time. Like, um, yeah. they started doing you know, the. Like the kind of circular stage that they use for a lot of shows, or just the like the, the the rectangular square that they use, just very simple, structured, boiled down stages and entrances. Um, nothing flashy, and that's one thing. Also, yeah. if you look at '95 through '97, there's one thing I do miss nowadays: the lighting. Look at the lighting of '95 through '97 when people came yeah. out, like guys like Flash Funk or whatever. Like you'd have like or like headbangers, headbangers at uh, um, Ground Zero. Like when they came out, which is also their first in your house when they won the tag titles. The arena is dark except for the ramp, and it's just like blue and yellow hitting it down. And the lighting yeah, was perfectly. It was. Per- it was. It wasn't quite lighting, lighting. like lighting. Yeah. And uh, for example, Razor Ramon's entrance when yes. they had those ra- those actually razors uh, flat spots on the, yeah. on the floor, and it's kind of like a yellow lighting within the darkness. Yes, 
and uh, yeah, and you had that. You had Bret Hart sliding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the Undertaker. They didn't actually start turning off the lights completely. I think until yeah, I think around that time. Yeah. Yeah. I think '94 is when they started doing that uh, completely. When he came back at some, it's big. But you didn't have it at all of in your house. Then again, and back in the early nineties, he wasn't on a lot of those in your houses, right? Until posters, yeah, yeah, when they first started. Um, and granted, a lot of those ninety-eight in your houses, they felt like extensions of Raw because ninety-eight it became besides. It's another reason why in your house kind of went away, and they just became other pay per views. Is because they were no longer about building blocks towards the next pay per view, like ninety five, ninety six. Yes, because the the main yeah, thing yeah. was Raw, because it was about Raw versus Nitro. It wasn't about like you know SummerSlam versus Road Wild. It was about Raw versus Nitro. So it's like let's use these to pretty much build up tomorrow night's episode of Raw, because it was all a big serial. It was. You know, find out what happens yeah. tomorrow night on Raw. Find out what happens next week on Raw. Find out what happens this Sunday at uh, like breakdown. It was all continuous find, stream. And then find out what happens tomorrow again. Yes. So, for example, like break it down and the end. Break it down. For example, uh, breakdown ended in a no contest or yes. like double uh, double pin. So you had to watch Raw the next night because you wanted to know yes. how how does that affect the title. Yes. Uh, Judgment Day, the same thing. The first Judgment Day ended in the same thing, and no contest. Yes, yeah. yeah. And Austin, Austin getting Austin fired. got fired, so you and you had to find out what was going to happen next. Um, the uh, yeah. then then you 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 lead to like like rock bottom, and it's basically a culmination of everything, and it's basically kind of like what Jim Cornette always talks about: how everything's hot shotted. Yeah, rock bottom is basically the epitome of everything being hot shotted because it's like they're jamming so much into that pay per view, and because they're, like, they're clearing the board for the Royal Rumble. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, at this point, we're starting to kick Nitro's ass every week." So they're like, "Let's start building up towards Mania more." Um and that's right around the time, you know, Russo exits is, in a few months. Which kind of like, you know, yeah, which kind of like, you know, we talked about WrestleMania 15 before, which it was a complete, you know. Yes, eh. yeah. Which, honestly, WrestleMania 15 feels kind of like an in-your-house show. I don't want to say in-your-house show. A 1999 yeah. in-your-house show. It feels like Unforgiven. Uh, which I think Unforgiven is technically the last, not Unforgiven, Backlash is technically the last official yeah. in your house um, after that they they became they just, got, yeah they just yeah became because the next over the, over the edge. edge with the undertaker on there just became over the edge yeah. unforgiven was just unforgiven um but yeah mm. mania 15 it feels basically just like a regular 1999 pay-per-view it doesn't feel like anything yeah. special where if you look like, at 14, uh, mania, uh, Ma mania yeah mania 15 was a one-match show I don't even know how I say a one match show. I mean, it built like up. Austin, it's, it was all about Austin it, versus Rock. Yeah, but as far as like actual like matches that left an impact on you, you even could Austin versus Rock is not that good. Yeah, it was yeah. Not. I, I, honestly, I'm not gonna say uh, it's bad, but Austin no, versus no. Rock, first Austin versus Rock actually is their weakest match 
for that series. I would say, I would say it's even lesser than the matches they had before that. Like even, even though this one had a lot of bells and whistles, yeah. The match Austin versus Rock had that like DX. in your house. DX had a lot of bells and whistles to it, but it was way more fun than and this one. Yeah, that's because that in yeah. your house it had Austin just being the shit out of you know the nation, like giving like yeah. Delo like the back body drop onto uh, on the, onto the, the truck. truck. Yeah. yeah, this here it was like WWF. Not sure not sure what they're going to be doing because it's like oh Vince is a heel against these guys, but it looks like he's turning babyface against Taker, but. Um, Triple H is now with Corporation. So is Rock going to be turning babyface? We don't know what's going to be happening. Um, which yeah. I do kind of miss that aspect where you know wrestling was just completely unpredictable. You're like not sure exactly what the hell is going on, and it's it's kind of poetic about the in your house stuff because once they took away in your house, Russo pretty much left. Couple months later, then a couple months after that, WWE went public. Nitro started going downhill. ECW folded. WCW got sold. WWF became HD, overly glossy, overly produced, um, and everything just kind of changed. Like, I think that's another reason. Like, I've really been enjoying a lot of these in your houses is because it's a simpler time. Like it's not overly produced stuff. There's not as stacked as rosters. Um, everyone is getting a shot basically. Um, and even if a person does, it's to, to a lot of people, you know, on certain wrestling groups talk about, you know, passion or sink or swim um, in your house kind of had that like, you know, Salvatore Sincere, it's like, hey, we're going to throw him a bone and see what happens with him Sin- at In Your House. Sincerely. Yes. And, you know, Mark Merrow and him had a little program. It's sink or swim. He sunk, and they moved on. Yeah, in okay. Your House gave people a shot because at that time, wrestling was the hottest it was. And maybe not 95, 96, but, you know, 97, 98. Those, that era, the, the attitude in your house was definitely sink or swim, whereas like 95, 96 was about giving an opportunity. 97, 98 was sink uh, or swim in your houses. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, 97, yeah, I would say that. And then latter 99, it was all about just, you know, putting just, out a show. Yeah, it. just a show for the sake yeah. of having a show. Um yeah, and speaking honest... of which, I think also yeah. What were you gonna say? If you're talking about that, yeah, I was talking about the attitude era. Mm-hmm. Ground Zero might have been the first, might have been the most attitudinal show uh, of the so shift. far back then. It was, yeah, yeah, because it's it was... DX starts kicking into gear. Um, yeah, Pillman you had the Undertaker is... versus Shawn Michaels, which was complete chaos. Yeah, but if you remember, what started the show was Pillman beating Goldust. Yeah. Take Marlena home, which was like, especially what? that time, yeah. Yeah. If, if you watch the the Pillman files that followed on Raw in the previous in the in the weeks yeah. that followed, it's, yeah. it definitely shows. That. Yeah, it was. It uh, yeah, it was kind of like. It was pretty dark. It's yeah, on, honestly, you're watching when, it when I did my Raw rewatch of uh, 
like 97 and 98 last year honestly <laughs> a lot of that pillman stuff like you you put that on the air nowadays and there would definitely oh be a hashtag cancel raw moment uh, movement happening with a lot of the uh, the pill a lot of stuff with pillman but especially the the pillman yeah. and melena stuff uh, Mar marlena oh god oh, Cause, like, oh god! Like I, rem I remember he was on that promo one time when she was talking, and he was like, "While Goldust was reading to his little daughter the story of the three little pigs, I had his wife screaming like, oh, what? Yeah, and it's like at one point, like he picks up a bra and he's, he's like, "What happened here last night?" It's like, oh man, are you really insinuating what you're insinuating? Yes, yeah. it's like kind of, kind of cringe, um, and. That's the other thing within your house is from when I first started watching this rewatch, May, May 1995, and I just finished October 97, so about two and a half years I've been on this. There's a complete loss of innocence, cause especially here, because um, yeah. like it kicks in with Pillman cutting that promo and that video package, and it just feels like, hey... We are completely, even though the Attitude Era had been around, this one here was just like, mm -hmm. hey, we're no like we we don't care about the ratings or the the, yeah. the not 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 the ratings but the the television rating of PG TV fourteen. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like now. if you, yeah, it's kind of like if if you were having doubts about what this show was now, I'll, I'll tell you what, let's fix those doubts for you. Yes, and Pullman, that's the and. I, a lot of people, you know, they, they do love the Attitude Era, and I love Austin, I love DX, um, but there's just a different charm to, like, the like the 97 version of the Attitude Era, where it was just more about actual stars having attitude, instead of, like, yeah. forcing the gimmicks, like, mm, 97... Out of the whole show, like, then you go, oh, we're Attitude. Yes, like, 98 and 99 Attitude Era was for shocks. 2000 Attitude Era started kind of getting some matches going because of Edge, Christian, etc., you know, Angle, Benoit. Um, but 97 Attitude Era was just about, you know, Brett having an attitude, Michaels having an attitude, Austin having an attitude. It was yeah. about the, the stars being dark and not caring. Um, and it's like, who knows what would have happened if, you know, Brett resigned. Would 98 have looked more like 97? Would 98 look more like the end of 96? Um, who knows? Like, uh, Yeah, because let's be honest. like He doesn't get enough. Like, Bret Hart is the unsung hero of the attitude. Oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, by the time his contract was up and he jumped to WCW, even before that screw job, he was, looking back at it now, he was the most intriguing character on the WWF show. Yeah, then. completely. Completely. Because if there were, there, you cannot like fathom the complete how many layers there were to that character at that time. Yeah. How much he's been scorned? How much? Uh, how much he got back? How much he's been worried? Because again, it's kind of like a low key a debut on Disney Plus this week or yes. last week. Yep. And it told you the story about how every villain is the hero of their own story. Yeah. With Bret Hart, if you watch Monday Night Raw in, the, uh, 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 in that timing, if you watch those shows, 
Brett was definitely the hero of his own story. He was. And, if, and he was a justified hero in the, at that. He's not like, you know... He wasn't really doing the grave or anything. Again, this might be something because if you remember Game of uh, the second to last episode of Game of Thrones, yes, you and I were among the minority who were not, who did not, you know, shake our heads at how the nearest Targaryen just, you know, yes. blast destroyed that uh, destroyed King's Landing, yeah, because. It had a lot of echoes of what happened of what happened to Bret Hart and what Bret Hart it did. did, because, because, and when I said like you know, because when I said uh, people were talking about the heel turn and they would compare it to Hogan and and the NWO, I would say no, it it's Bret, Bret Hart in '97 yeah. because she was doing what she thought up was to best. that point. Yeah, Bret Hart. Yeah, because Bret Hart. Not even that. Bret Hart was doing everything right. Yeah. He was going after the title the right way. He was upholding the law. And people were just... And he was getting screwed at every turn. And people were just siding with everyone else. And and the so thing is, look at the, when he did turn heel, what yeah. did he do? He reunited his family. He reunited, exactly. he reunited his entire family. He reunited his two brother-in-laws. He reunited his brother. He, re he brought in a family friend in Pillman. He brought in basically his blood to help him fight against... If you, yeah. Qu quite frankly, if you do, if you do watch ne like ninety-seven in your houses, ninety-seven pay-per-views in general nowadays, Steve Austin is a complete heel. Steve Austin complete heel. Even the in your ha uh, revenge of the taker, Austin is the heel. Yeah, yeah. There is no question about it. Yeah. He attacks Bret Hart backstage. He just uh, he destroys his life. He is the aggressor in their match, and Bret Hart is the. Bret Hart, while he's cowering in the corner trying to get up, he flips Austin out. Bret Hart is the defiant, yeah, is the defiant babyface in that uh, in that one moment. Yeah, yeah. You're looking at it because still, and this is how, like, if you want to think about it, this is how genius Bret Hart is because he is not going into a typical heel face. He is he is a heel. But he is still, he is embodying a heel who still thinks of himself as the good guy. Yes, yes. He is the, he is still the good. So he's like, he's not going to cower away and tell Austin, you know, no, please, uh, you know, don't hit me with that chair or yes. cower like typical heels would do. He is going to be defiant because he is still the, he has that hero mentality still yes. in his head. Which is poetic for that time because... It's just showing how the wrestling industry has changed because, you know, and and on WCW people are having to fight, you know, this outsider organization, yeah. the NWO. ECW is existing. People are on the internet more, so it's like the times. It's like everything just came at the exact same time, and it made perfectly sense. And that that Bret Hart heel turn couldn't have happened in 96 it couldn't have happened in 98 97 was the perfect year it was that yeah, was there the was perfect a timing, perfect that. moment and yeah you know wrestlemania 13 is a fantastic double turn but it's like if you look at final four then you look at um um revenge of taker 
Brett, if you do those back-to-back, Brett is now different, but if you watch it in hindsight, he still appears as the face. Like, it's like his family is basically like the Calvary. It's basically, that's what it is at the time. Um, because, yeah, because because the Calvary, and it's it's very weird that they played that match, that that match was constructed the way it was constructed. Uh, the Revenge of the Taker match, mm-hmm. because uh, because, again, and it shows you how crazy it was back in 90, uh, at the time, because People were cheering Austin for the same reason they started booing Brett at WrestleMania 13. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's 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 weird. And again, it's something that maybe watching these shows in real time back then, watching it week to week, you might not appreciate it. But if you're thinking about it now, years later, seeing how it was, you're like, damn it, Bret Hart is a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. And while, yeah, and while people like praise his technical skills and uh, everything he does, he does not get enough credit for being an amazing, maybe not the best, but he's still an amazing storyteller. He is completely, completely. He is. Yeah. Every every every, ma- every match, Brett never half-assed anything. Like I, I I think pretty much most people around our age could easily say that you know their guys from you know 92 to 98 92 to 97 were taker brett and sean even like even when sean was a heel i was a sean guy when brett was still a heel i was still kind of a brett guy um and those three guys were just like the epitome of that time period and brett more so than because they all had different styles. Like Taker had, you know, was the character base. Michaels was the defiant guy at all times who was just like doing whatever he wanted. But Brett, yeah. the way that he would literally just lay in his punches, lay in his kicks, like you believe that he was the best wrestler Fighting to in win. the world. Yeah. Yes. He was the best wrestler to win. He was, again, like, remember when you did the whole, like, what Finn Balor is doing now is yes. a lot of reminiscent of Red Hart. It because is. Red Hart has different matches with everyone, but he still has matches. When when it's a big match, he does not look like he is just wrestling a schmuck. No. Out. He makes, like, he was facing, uh, he had an in-air house match with... Hakushi? I can't remember. Yeah, well, Akushi, yeah, WrestleMania in your house one, but going back to in your house four, or is it three? Well, I think it's three. Where I can't remember what his name was then, but yeah, PCO. Oh yeah, yeah, that went. It went like ten minutes or so. It was an awesome yeah. match, and it it was an awesome, awesome match. And this guy, when you think about it, I mean, this was a throwaway match. Completely. This, was, this should have been Bret Hart just walking, walking through, through him, him. like mm-hmm. you know. Like John Cena did to the Miz in uh, 2007. Yeah, he did. That's what I think about it. But then the, here's the difference: Bret Hart can actually make this guy look good, while still not, while still not decreasing his own, his own position in the company. So you see Bret Hart in this competitive match against a guy who's, let's be honest, at the time he was a talent. 
And yes. that's that's uh, th- th- actually that match is a perfect example of in your house because you know they repackaged him with the eye patch and everything, so he's yeah. getting a singles push. He's no longer a Quebecer. Um, it, and it's basically the the whole here's your opportunity to shine. Give us ten minutes. See what you can do. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't do more on in your houses that year because. It was an impressive showing, um, and yeah, he didn't pop up on In Your House again until um, No Way Out 98 when the Quebecers faced the Godwins. Um, yeah, out of nowhere, you just had the Quebecers. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, okay. it was nowhere near as good as that Brett match. Um, he, he, he did everything he could, and... Unlike an AEW match where it's like, oh, we're going to have, you know, a main event or face this dark guy for 12 minutes on yeah. Dynamite. This here, it seemed more less about an enhancement match because enhancement matches were basically on Raws, on Superstars. Yeah. This was basically a, yeah. here's a main event versus a mid-carder. We're going to see what happens. And they delivered because Brett yeah. was just that and great. And it was... Yeah, and it didn't come out like Bret Hart looking weaker. No. It came out as BCO looking stronger. Stronger, yes. But still, yeah. But Bret Hart is still the man. Yes. Because this was, I think, this was the beginning of, like, building Bret Hart back up to take the title from Diesel at Survivor Series. It's... Um, he does this... Getting... We're about hour 45. Um, now the... Um, with the uh, NXT in your houses, run through that real quick. Um, so, in your house ended in two thousand and or uh, nineteen ninety nine. Brought back in two thousand and twenty. So, twenty one years later, and honestly, when they announced it, I was excited because. I was hoping they were going to bring in the house, which they did. They had yeah. references to Doc Hendricks, um, which has kind of continued. Yeah, have, it's now become ingrained have, in the Gargano house. Yeah, they had Todd Pettingle uh, on the pre-show, I think. Or no, he was doing the cold open. Yes, yes, yes. Last year, right? Yes. And they even brought back uh, one of the one of my favorite WWE or WWF production themes, uh, Native Son, which was, which they used a lot for storylines during the New Generation era. Yeah. And a little bit during the, and they started, uh, and honestly, once that old open opened, the voice of Todd Bedding, and that music, I was sold. I was like, okay, this is amazing. I yes. didn't care what was going to happen yes. on the show afterwards. And honestly, look, let me look at the card. So I remember this was I, I, they I mean, had Champa versus Champa versus Cross was on. Champa right? versus Cross was on here. Um, EO versus um, Charlotte and Rhea. Um, Cole versus yeah, Dream. Uh, Lee versus Gargano. Uh, Lee versus Gargano. Uh, Finn versus Priest and Mia, Shotzi, and Tegan versus Candice, Dakota, and Raquel. Um, yeah. And this is on, the first time that women ever ever main evented an in your house show. And honestly, looking at yeah. this one, it feels the the card isn't overly stacked like a lot of takeovers. It feels like either an in your house show 
or a 2014 full cell takeover. Like, um, yeah. it's it's light, and that's kind of what tonight is as well. It's a light show. It's the night. The night. Looking at it, it's basically it is a light show, but it's also it's kind of like an in your house greatest hits show. Yeah, greatest hits tribute because you have. The six-man tag, which is for the North American Championship and Decking Championship, which yes. is kind of like a, a direct to... nod. Yeah, it's a direct nod to the in your house three main event, the triple header. Yes, in your house. Yeah, and the title match have a lot of multi-man matches. Yeah, multi-man matches. Which, if you're talking, the new generation did not have that much, but you know the attitude era yes. timings. That's a lot of it. You had you have uh, Zaylee versus um, Mercedes Martinez, which is also which is kind of like an in your house. It's a basic in your house opener or a, you know second match back in the yes day. yeah like in the new generation era where you're kind of, you're building someone against you know a heel that is not that is not you know it's still building up. I'm not gonna say that Zaylee is not. A big character for them because I think they are going somewhere with this yes, table. Yes. Yeah. But let's say Zaylee's an up and coming heel, but they I think it's uh, more uh, more of the baby faces match. Yeah. In this one, which is my it's basically Mercedes being in the veteran spot and giving her a match to work with. And honestly, it could go yeah. either way. It's it's Bret Hart versus PC. Yes. Um, kind of like well, with the difference of the you know positioning and stuff. We have like Grimes versus Knight, which essentially on paper, if you if you use an in your house ideal, like it essentially could just be like um, a crybaby match a or kiss my match. foot match. But they're adding yeah. in, they're taking away the silly yeah, gimmicks be. and they're adding in a ladder match. So it's like, hey, we're still yeah. a take, we're still takeover. We're not, you know, jokey and it, generation era. Yeah, yeah, and it's also a nod because it has Teddy Biasi involved, yes. which is. It's his first Basically, in your house yeah. appearance yeah. in 25 years. When and, when he when uh, Savio beat Steve Austin to make him to the strap match. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and he was sung na na na. And that's also that's also the first time Austin really becomes Austin because Austin, when he leaves that ring, he just throws his hands up and he's just like doesn't care. He doesn't give a damn about DiBiase. He's now yeah, on his own. Well, yeah, and it's also one of the you know. It's the classic strap match finish as well. Yes. Because we're talking yeah. Of the you know the babyface just tapping the uh, turnbuckle after the uh, right right after the heel. Yeah. And Austin pulling Savio in him and using that momentum. That's that is perfect. Yes. Which had me. Which I had that match in my mind when Batista and JBL had their strap match. On I did too. I JBL always had that match in that, my mind. And I was, and I was thinking. God damn it, JBL is going to do the Savio Vega thing and he's going to win the championship. <laughs> but, you know, they did the whole thing where Batista just spine busters him and, right. you know, takes it down. And, yeah. So it's basically, it's going to be a good show. Yeah. Who do you, uh, I, who do you think is going to win the championship, the NXT the title match? Honestly, I've been thinking about this a lot since, especially since the bump, because um, it's not elimination. I honestly yeah. think that they might put it back on Cole and build up towards Kyle versus Cole where Kyle wins it that way. That way, Cross doesn't have to get pinned to win the title or to lose the title. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I think Kyle beating Cole for the title honestly would mean more than Kyle beating Cross because while Cross yes. is a beast, let's just, I, I, no... he's he's not a hot champion in my opinion. I I think he is not. And it's it's weird because it seems that he is not a hot champion by design. I don't know why. Yeah. It's I, I think it's weird because he's being groomed for want, the main roster. Yeah, they might they might bring him back post SummerSlam once they go live and they do. Yeah. And which is a shame because, you know, I well I might as might as well have kept the title on thin. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um But yeah, I'm thinking it might be it's the pro- the one problem I see with that is that Kyle actually won the first match between the two. Yeah. So it might be it might be a series. So it might be Adam Cole beats him in the next in the first title defense. It could be. Yeah. Then they circle back. Then they circle back to it at next year's uh, around next year's WrestleMania time. Ooh, have a long Kyle, uh, Adam Cole reign again. I mean, that might be part of it. Part of me, I don't know why, because I'm thinking if they want to put the NXT title on Pete Dunne, this is the perfect opportunity. To it do would it. be. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they will get another shot at uh, at elevating Pete Dunne I, for the NXT Championship. I honestly think no matter one. what, the the only two fall guys I can see in this match is Kyle or Johnny. Um, Kyle, not yeah. because of a, a position on the card, just because I think. It builds. It, it builds. builds towards something. If, especially if Cole beats Kyle, that is perfect for it. But if 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 Cole doesn't pin Kyle, I think Johnny is the fall guy. And if that's the case, Pete Dunn pinning Johnny would make a lot of sense, especially for what's been happening with their factions the past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, it could work. And honestly, it's a testament to Johnny Gar- to Johnny Gargano that he is Teflon, where you could completely seeing him taking that pin and not losing any steam or not losing yes, any momentum because I, from that I, he he's he's kind of become he's kind of become NXT's Miz where his his mic skills and his ring work which I know a lot of people might be listening thinking oh you're comparing the Miz to Johnny Gargano yes I am um and MBS MBS is, is going to be rolling their eyes all over yes now, am, am I saying the Miz is as great in the ring as Johnny Gargano? No, but the Miz yes. is just damn great of a worker <laughs> as Johnny Gargano. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I love exactly. I love both and, guys, but yeah, Miz is a great worker. Yeah, and, Johnny is a great worker, and they're both Teflon heels. Yeah, and it's a testament because honestly, a loss like that would have hurt Johnny Gargano from two years ago. For yes, yes. But like modern Johnny Gargano, has... even though he can be hokey at times, which I don't necessarily want in NXT, I can't help but enjoy because I know he, damn well if I watched it on yeah. Raw, he would be my favorite part of Raw every single week because I would it's be like, honestly, yeah, wa- yeah, watching uh, watching the hokiness of the way in a vacuum is great. Yes, but when you look at it in the grander schemes of, uh, of an NXT show. It's like I'm still while I am enjoying the comedic value of you know the indie. Uh, Yes, the indie uh, Dexter, Dexter uh, love, love, yes. uh, love, romantic story. I just think it just does, it's it not doesn't. It's not NXT. NXT. It doesn't fit NXT, and it's it doesn't fit NXT. It fits WWE. 
Um, yeah. But I, I so it's, like, I, I, I can't, I can't bring myself to hate it because I don't hate it. I just don't think it's NXT equivalent. It should yeah. be on Raw or SmackDown. But yeah, I, that's what, that was my first thing. I was like, take that, take that goofy crap on uh, up to Raw. Yeah, but at the same <laughs> time, I, you know, if I, I am of the mind where if I enjoy something, I enjoy something. Um, yeah. So it's like, I you mean, know, you can enjoy something while admitting its faults. Yes, exactly, exactly. Or I, mean, I mean, like uh, someone who likes the room should exactly should understand exactly. Um. You know, you, you you can't you know you can't have your lucha underground and watch your MLW too, um, but you know some people do. Um, so <laughs> you know, as as much as Johnny Gargano is his gimmick is raw ready, the dude definitely you know has a lot to, that he could still do in NXT, which yeah. I do think he might because I do think that theory. Might get called up without him. I think. I think. Yeah, I think that. Like, well, he said it a year ago, so it might just. I think it might just be it. He said he's NXT for life. So I think yeah, I do too. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he goes up to Raw SmackDown except for special appearances. Same. Same that. here. I think. I think. Like maybe like a, like um you know Royal Rumble appearances or like you know um. U.S. Invitationals, IC Invitationals, stuff like that. Um, that would be about it. And it looks like James yeah. is hopping onto it. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, well, it's it's good because we want to get this favorite. Uh, well, I was going to go into favorite matches and stuff. I mean, your house awesome. might be. Um, I was actually just about ready to wrap up, actually, because we're just at the two-hour mark. Um, but I guess we can yeah. do some post-credits okay, stuff so let's... here. So let's so let's go yeah oh, but, but before we wrap up what's your favorite in your house match um honestly i would probably go with maybe michael's versus mankind all right how about yourself it's it's a great uh, mine i honestly it's weird because well i have to they're centered around the undertaker of course shocker uh, I actually it's weird because Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels not the Hell in a Cell match but the Ground Zero match yeah and and honestly one of my like it's still one of the most fun out of character a little bit out of character for the Undertaker matches ever it's Undertaker versus Executioner in the Army yeah game. that was a hell, hell of a fun match it's just pure chaos it's pure chaos they go back uh, and which city were they in? I can't remember. Can't, Indianapolis. I can't remember, but they go out on the streets, and there's like a Riviera about out there. They come back in. It's it's just bonkers. It it's is crazy as hell. It's um, and it's it's pure in your house. It's like while it's you're going in your to house. the Era. Yeah. Um. It is right at the two-hour mark. About um gonna wrap this looks one like, up and, and it looks like james is not coming there yeah <laughs> um but yeah tonight is in your house yeah, for yeah, people yeah. who are listening um yeah just uh one last thing guys james was actually scheduled to do this but he pulled a no one hearted in your house three <sighs> and did not and no showed 
I thought you were going. I thought you were going a little uh, darker on that joke at first. Oh no, 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 no! God, God, no! <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I haven't talked to Walter for the past like fifteen hours, so I'm used to you know. Uh darkness popping up here and there um <laughs> yeah so I, I, was, no, I was like damn he, dude don't go there <laughs> okay yeah but yes no, this makes sense he pulled a, yeah so so let's uh, let's circle this back because I want, he pulled an owen hard in your house through he knew sh he no showed and then he made a run into the main event to just to take the fall that's right well and, and looks like well he's, he's getting a run in and <laughs> And happy podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. Happy.